Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. In today's episode, I talked to the very lovely Catherine Morello. It really was a great chat and I took a lot away from it. I'm sure you will too. If this is the first time you're here, I wish you an incredibly warm welcome. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, let me know your favourite bit on social media, at 10Q Interview everywhere you look. And don't forget, more importantly, to hit subscribe wherever you are listening to this. Um, It would mean the world to me, and Catherine for that matter, if you share this episode far and wide. There is tons of great value and takeaways in there, and I'm sure that you will know at least one person who you'll think of when listening to that would really benefit from hearing it. So let them know. Now, onto the podcast. Catherine, welcome so much to 10Q Interview. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on this morning. I know you're busy, so I appreciate you taking the time out of your, of your hectic schedule, no doubt. For those of you who don't know, 10Q Interview is my way of asking interesting questions to interesting people and trying to find out what makes them tick. And Catherine, you are an interesting person. So you get the tick straight away there. Um, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no pressure at all. Um, I always kick off my chats with people with with the same question. And that question is, you meet a stranger in a pub or a bar or a cafe or somewhere and they ask you what you do. What is it you're most likely to say to them? Do you know what? When I, um, when I thought about this question, one of the things my family always... Um, laugh at me for is talking to strangers in public my husband commutes into London every day and I, I commute kind of infrequently right. um, and always manage to strike up a conversation with someone somewhere usually on a tube and my husband always says commuters do not like to be spoken to they are going from A to B they don't want to be disturbed don't make eye contact don't try and strike up a conversation but I totally disagree and I've had some very very interesting conversations with strangers um but what am I most likely to say about kind of me and what I do? I, I've got this massive aversion for some reason. I don't know why to job titles. Yeah. Um, I just think they're so restrictive in a way, aren't they? So if someone asks me what I do, I tend to say something like, I don't know, I head up days out or I'm, I look after daysout.com or something like that. But then I'll go bold from there and say, Days Out is the most incredible brand ever, the biggest and most exciting thing to ever happen to ticketing um, for attraction. So I kind of get more excited about what the business does than kind of what I do specifically. Um, but I always think, think, why do you think that is? I don't know. I, I, I get I get so involved with my job. I get so involved that actually, I don't know. I guess it's irrelevant in a way what my responsibilities are it's more about what what I bring to the role and to the business yeah um yeah and actually it is massively what I bring to the business what I not what I bring to the role and and that's kind of I guess my hiring philosophy as well it's it's always about personality it's not about does this person fit neatly in the box for the job I'm hiring for yeah and I've quite often hired people who don't have industry experience or don't have um, certainly I never look for qualifications but maybe don't have all of the skills that you would ideally want but they are a hugely excitable energetic person who who believes in what we're trying to do as a, a brand so I guess that's why it comes through yeah I mean I guess there's a, a school of thought I mean I'm very similar to that actually and my school of thought is you can teach most things to people and what you want is it's attitude right and it's it's you want them to be 
keen on doing stuff and keen to learn yeah. and keen to get involved and exactly yeah okay interesting just for people who don't know you um what is your real involvement <laughs> with days out um so i joined days out in january of this year 2022 as md okay. to basically shape the uk strategy um an opportunity came up for the wider business a couple of years ago to buy um, the brand um, and, and kind of a non-functioning, non-active brand um, with the vision of making it kind of the booking.com or the just eat of the attraction ticketing space. Okay. Um, and I'd actually been in touch with the, the group um, a couple of times over the years, but um, just kind of there wasn't an opportunity to work together. Um, so when this came up, the guys got in touch with me and said, look, we think this has got your name all over it, very much in the same vein as I've just talked about hiring people. We think you're the right person to make this happen. If, if Days Out could be something big, we think you're the person to help us do that. And I was like, absolutely, that has my name all over it. I love startups. I love a blank canvas. I love building teams. I love the opportunity to launch a brand into a crowded sector in a way that no one else has done it and a lot of that is about tech and innovation but a huge amount of that is about personality and tone of voice as well and that's what gets me hugely excited I mean my background's PR and marketing and and social um, and and that's the bit I'm hugely kind of fanatical about is is creating a, a brand that has a community first and foremost that people want to be a part of yeah I guess, I mean, that, that's a pretty nice thing to hear, right? I mean, we all sort of put ourselves out there. We all do, you know, the work. But someone to actually recognize that and come forward and say, do you know what, Catherine, you are the person for this role. That must be a yeah. great thing to hear, must, Ma- isn't it? Massive for me, absolutely massive. And I'm so lucky that I've I've joined a business where the leadership are incredibly supportive and accessible, but in equal measure, hands off, and I have such a huge amount of autonomy to figure things out, to break things, to make a mess of things, to see what does and doesn't work, Um, and also challenge the norms and and go back to the leadership team and say, look, I know this is the conventional way, I know this is maybe what you're expecting, or I know this Mm. is what we've talked about, but actually I've got a, a way of doing it that might make you kind of squirm a bit. Um, I think that that's so important, isn't it? If, yeah. a, an old kind of an old boss said to me once, if it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable, I don't want to hear it. Um, wow. And I think that's absolutely the right ha- attitude to have, especially if you want to be a challenger brand, especially if you're trying to stand out in a really crowded market, then I think you've got to, um do things differently and push the boundaries a bit and find that balance between being funny but not arrogant (laughs) yeah 100 percent. i mean that's that's i guess it's less rarer these days but it's certainly rare for for the powers that be to have that attitude in a lot of businesses i think but but you're absolutely spot on you know to stand out that is that is what's required Absolutely. And I think there's a, there's being risk averse and there's being personality averse and they're two different things. Now, yeah. having personality within a brand doesn't cost tens of thousands of pounds, no. um, which is the another beauty of it for a startup, especially. Um, I mean, you will have seen a lot of kind of disruptor marketing examples across 
the internet across LinkedIn and one of the um, most popular ones at the moment is to just Photoshop prominent billboards, isn't it? You don't actually yeah. have to go and buy the advertising space. You just Photoshop it and stick it all over social media and say, look yeah. at our latest ad campaign. And technically it is an ad campaign just because you didn't go and actually buy that space. You're still generating attention from it and it's cost you nothing, if not maybe a couple of hundred quid in paid social um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's about being a bit more creative and um, just understanding who you're talking to and and kind of what resonates at the moment, what resonates right now this morning, kind of on a a Tuesday in May. How do you, how does your brand fit with that um, yep. in a meaningful way, not in a oh everyone's talking about Wagatha Christie? How does our brand fit? If it doesn't, then don't go there. If your brand doesn't have something interesting to say about Eurovision, then don't go there, but find the things that do fit and that you know your audience relate to and that you've got a meaningful yep. perspective on. What what Can you think of any brands off the top of your head? And I'm putting you on the spot, so I apologise, but can you think of any brands that you think do it really well? I mean, to give you some time to think about it, for me, Paddy Power... I think are one of the, the best brands at doing this sort of stuff. And I know yeah. it's gambling, so it's a bit of a touchy subject, but Well, I, I, ca- I come it. from the gambling sector, so um uh I'm well versed with uh, some of the kind of standout brands in that sector and I yeah, I definitely agree. Although yeah. they do spend a huge amount of money. Um oh, un- undoubtedly, but I just I remember I went to a, a marketing expo once and and the four I think his former head of CM the CMO there was talking about their approach to stuff and basically it was to your point earlier like they they wanted to push the line as far as they could and he said he trusted his team to do it he knew what they knew what the brief was and someone asked him said oh you know how many times have they gone too far and I think his response was only twice but it was not it was too far but it was very close to being yeah yeah not and then on the flip side, you get people like Tesco having their ad campaigns banned a couple of weeks ago for using words like pistachio and shiitake. And you just think this whole kind of argument that we're too easily offended does stand up because, that, I mean, that you get, I don't know, pop songs on commercial radio having swear words bleeped out where yeah. it's still very, very obvious what that word was. But that's fine. Yeah, uh, Tesco can't run an ad campaign with the word pistachio in it. Um, Although saying that, I wonder if they've got more uh, reach and eyes on it than they would have done if they hadn't have got Absolutely. I mean, great PR, great Mm. PR. Um, They're not stupid um, and they'll leverage that for every penny it's worth. So, yeah, a huge amount more people talking about it than, than would have been otherwise. But... I guess to answer your question about brands, I think are smashing it. Uh, there's quite a few for me. Um, Dead Happy, the life insurance company, yep. I think have absolutely nailed it. And I love the fact that they use complaints as part of their marketing. Yeah. Um, they're not for everyone. It is a very um, divisive tone of voice and kind of brand look and feel. But I think they've absolutely cornered a part of the market who maybe don't think about products like life insurance so much. And they've cut through a huge amount of that noise. Yeah. Um, who gives a crap the sustainable toilet roll company I think again 
great marketing. I love the fact that a box of toilet roll comes with an emergency roll wrapped in gold paper. Um, <laughs> I love the fact that you can go onto their website and read toilet jokes um, while you're spending a penny. I love all their CSR stuff around sustainability. I love their branding. Um, I think they absolutely know who they are, who they're for, and um, their tone of voice is, is spot on. And I guess my thir- final one would be Thursday, the dating app, who have just absolutely kind of wiped the floor with LinkedIn as a marketing platform, which not many brands have man- managed to do. Yeah. Again, a little bit divisive. Um, did they go too far parading a real camel down the streets of London? Possibly. But again, yeah. everyone was talking about it. And I guess their philosophy is a bit like mine. Try something. If it doesn't work, move on. Uh, apologize if you need to and yeah. move on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'd say what's really lovely is those three examples that you've said there is when when people ask or when people are asked that question, it's usually the same sort of brands that pop up time and time again, you know, the innocent yeah. powers that yeah. those. So it's, it's quite lovely to hear that actually the three examples you gave are not typical ones, which is brilliant. I mean, Thursday, yeah, controversial, but yeah, there's no denying how many uh, people have heard of them compared to who hadn't exactly. a year ago, I suppose. Exactly, yeah. I mean, they are everywhere. And what one of the things I really like about them, and this is down to their LinkedIn strategy more than anything, which you could question how, how valuable is that to their kind of B2C marketing, but how they showcase their people and yeah. that everything they do is their people putting the brand in front of other people, whether that's in the street, at events, across social. And I think... That's so important and it it absolutely staggers me how few brands showcase their teams and the people that are actually running that business because I I do feel like there's this surge against kind of faceless online businesses. I mean, I went and booked a holiday in a travel agency this year for the first time in a long time because I wanted to sit in front of a real person and for them to answer my questions. Now, I run a digital business selling tickets online for me, that's a, a massive challenge because customer service has to be absolutely exceptional these days. It has to be instant. It has to be real time. It has to be human. It has to be friendly, relatable, helpful, all yep. those things. Um, and if you're expecting someone to part with their hard-earned money in a cost-of-living crisis, then you're going to have to do a flipping good job of selling them something and supporting that purchasing journey. So I think anything you can do to put your people at the front of your brand whether that's marketing PR or customer service is absolutely fundamental to the success of a business yep it's funny you say that I I agree and I think that a few a lot of businesses are very defensive in that and don't I I don't know if they don't want to do it because they're they're worried about their staff getting uh, poached or but people buy from people and what's really interesting that you bring this up now is because at the weekend I, I, I went on a long bike ride and I had a few issues with my bike and I ended up trying chatting to this guy uh, who on Monday and I rang him up. He's like local bike shop chap. It's his own shop. He runs it himself. He's the only one who works there apart from a few people part time. And he was on the phone to me for half an hour talking me through what was wrong with. And I'm not going to get too techy about my, my rear derailleur. <laughs> but he was he went into so much detail and he was so knowledgeable and he was so helpful and he yeah. and it's really weird you say that and bring it up today of all days because I also worked in digital marketing for a long long time now but you cannot replicate or 
you can, but it's very difficult to replicate that experience I had with that guy mm. at scale. It's just, you know, it's, yeah. but I now know he's got a customer for life in me, right? As long as I live Absolutely. Within, within reach of him, anytime I want something done to my bike, that is where I'm going to go. And you, it, it's like I said, it's very tough to replicate that with, you know, one of these online retailers. Yeah, I but agree. I think if you can, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, I don't know, and then, you know, I don't know how you do because, like I said, scaling it is very tough. But it is, the, yeah. The passion he had, the knowledge he had, the everything it was just like I came off the phone. I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, um, that's pretty different to my Amazon addiction, where I just like swipe. But. <laughs> but there are big brands that are doing it well. I mean, again, another challenger brand. There's a makeup brand called Il Maquillage who are 100% online. And their whole premise is we will match any skin tone and they have hundreds and hundreds of different shades of uh, makeup. And if you're not happy, they'll send you a new shade. Um, And I tried it out of curiosity more than anything because it was pretty expensive, probably twice as much as I would normally pay for a makeup product. But you their whole customer service is astronomical and they've basically built the cost of that service into the model. That's why the product's expensive because it allows them to give one-on-one customer service. So I wasn't happy with my first product. No quibble, no problem. Keep it. Don't need to send it back. We'll manually match your shade and we'll send you a replacement product for free, um, free postage and a voucher for 20% off anything else you might like to buy. Now, not only that, but the person who matched my skin tone cleverly um, threw in all the compliments. Oh, haven't you got such lovely skin? Or you're so lucky. Or haven't you got a great complexion? I mean, she she says that to everybody. I'm absolutely sure of that. But it was kind of irrelevant in the moment because I was like, oh, this is so nice. And that picked me up. And um, nice little compliment. I am so buying that product. And I use this example all of the time. And... It, it good customer service wins the day and you will remember it and some big brands are doing it really well some small brands are doing it exceptionally well modern milkman's a good one absolutely taking the doorstep milk delivery world by storm with their marketing and customer service um and it absolutely speaks volumes and that is when people very naturally and very frequently recommend brands to friends yeah because people like to feel special, don't they? Ultimately, hundred percent. We're yeah. so busy, and we are so stressed, and we are. I mean, when was the last time you sat down and thought, "Oh, I've got an hour and a half to browse this thing I want to buy online"? It just doesn't happen no. unless it's a huge purchasing decision, like a house move or a big holiday or something like that. Then the chances are you are buying something on the fly because you've forgotten to do it. You haven't left yourself enough time, or um it's just difficult to navigate um online to find that product um and there's too much choice probably so when something pops up uh, when either a friend says just buy it from here they are amazing if there's any problems they'll sort it you can make that purchase as a rule without any research which is such a lifesaver isn't it when you're busy well not Um, only that but you'll you'll know as well as i do that word of mouth is mm. a free and b worth 10 20x any other exactly. market channel that you know you want to put out there exactly it's just yeah i mean you cannot underestimate 
how important it is to exceed people's expectations. And for us, for days out, one of the things I I'm hell bent on doing is weaving in this whole layer of kind of surprise and delight to everything we do. Um, Especially if we don't meet someone's expectations sometime that we go above and beyond to fix that and show them that it's worth giving us a second chance and that we, we can kind of do a really good job because like any startup, when we first launch, there are going to be teething problems that we're not going to get everything right first time. But I think you can always turn those situations into a really positive experience if you if you work hard enough at it and you're creative enough about what the solution is. Yeah, and do you know what? It's not just that. I think actually people look at what you're saying and think it's too difficult to do sometimes, but it's not always the case. Like I used to buy um, triathlon stuff from this shop called Wiggle, and anyone who's into that sort of stuff will know it. And they used to send this little pack of Haribo out with all their deliveries. Yeah. like You know the tiny um, ones you get? in kids party yeah bags. yeah like probably costs i don't know 5p it's like yeah. when they're buying them in bulk i don't know but you go on most um i don't know if they still do it. i haven't bought from them in a while but everyone used to talk about it on all the forums and all the stuff like, oh you know i've got my free haribo it's like <laughs> you know it makes such a difference yeah. i mean we are a sucker for anything that's free and a sucker for anything that we didn't expect to get yeah um i mean it's it a lot of companies use sampling to fulfill that, don't they? Like Asos, for example, put fragrance samples sometimes in or, I don't know, tea bags or something yeah. random. But, oh my gosh, all of a sudden that tea bag sample is like the most exciting thing that happened that morning because you didn't expect it. Well, that's what I was <laughs> going to say. It comes back to what you said about expectations, right? Yeah. You expect your T-shirt to come in the post and anything extra is a real bonus and a and a treat. So... And, you know, it doesn't take a lot sometimes, I think, but... No, agree. um, We'll move on to the next question then. So you are currently MD of daysout.com. But when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, my gosh. I just, I wanted to be so many different things. Um, But I guess more than anything as a kid, I wanted some kind of shop. (laughs) Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, I really did. And I spent many hours in my bedroom rearranging all of my possessions so they looked like they were for sale <laughs> um I used to have driveway stalls at the end of uh, end of the drive I used to get my brother to help me run my stall um we lived in a tiny Oxfordshire village called Cumnor so there was very little passing trade and for some reason we only had one chair so I made my brother stand next to me the whole morning um, and I probably only had like three or four things on my stall that I was willing to sell, but I was just always fascinated with what could be made and sold and how you could create profit. Um, I remember going on family holidays when we were little and spending weeks before the holiday making friendship bracelets and taking them with me to try and sell to holiday makers. Wow. <laughs> um, where, yeah, where, where, always... where did this come from? Um, my dad has always been self-employed. He's a photographer by trade. So he ran his own business um, my whole kind of life. Um, I don't remember being influenced by that as a child, but I'm sure I was subconsciously. I just, I don't know. I just always had this fascination with what could you create yourself that was saleable? And I, I, I mean, I, when I went to uni, I admittedly, I dropped out after six months. I didn't quite adapt to uni life but um I used to make greetings cards in the evenings and sell them to local shops um 
and I've just yeah always been really interested in just business in general I, I, I guess I wish looking back if I'd gone to university and done business studies I went and did graphic design and it just wasn't right for me um maybe I would have learn an easier route into the world of business because I did it the hard way by taking kind of the crappy temp jobs and then the yeah. half decent admin job and then the slightly more decent exec job and I mean I wouldn't change that for the world because it's given me an absolute wealth of hands-on experience in business but um yeah just I've always been hugely interested in how people build their businesses um, not not necessarily just from a profit perspective. I've made that sound like a really kind of power hungry, how do you make money out of nothing type um, mentality. But it's just I've always been interested in the whole business and marketing model. How do you create a product? How do you create an audience? How do you create demand? How do you get your message across? How do you create loyalty? Which I guess ultimately has led to to why I'm in the position I'm in now yeah. with days out. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Presumably stand you in good stead for where you are now. Hopefully so. Hopefully <laughs> so. If not, my, my kids are working up a, a pizza side hustle after we um, invested in a decent pizza oven recently and they've already <laughs> worked out how much how much it costs to make and uh, sell a pizza. So uh, you never know. Maybe we'll have... Uh, my kids will follow in my footsteps and be selling pizzas at the end of the drive. <laughs> well, you could do one of these, what they call ghost kitchens, where you just do it on via delivery or just eat or you eat something, they just cook them all in your garden and then get the guys on the scooters to come along and pick them up. Quite possibly, although I do have a habit of um, taking on additional projects and then wondering what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> how, do you, how do you mean by that? Um, I, I get really excited about small things and then they grow arms and legs and get out of control. And I wonder, I, I moan to my husband that I haven't got enough hours in the day. And then he says, well, you have just decided to, uh, I don't know, um, start a pizza company on the side. No, not really. Um, I think, I think that's, that's, I have that same issue. And I think that's just, it's like one of the negatives of having an entrepreneurial mind and like my business started that exact same way it was just it was a bit of a side hustle something to scratch my own itch and solve my own marketing problems and it yeah. grew arms and legs and it got to a point a couple of years ago I was like right I need to make a decision now what, what do I do I've got four and I didn't have enough hours in a day two young children business which is growing which is you know sounds like a terrible thing to be moaning about but it put you in a position where oh I don't know <laughs> what do you yeah. do sometimes you've got to focus I mean that but then I think I, the old kind of cliche saying variety is the spice of life I absolutely believe that I don't want to get out of bed in the morning and know what's going to happen that day yeah. I want to be surprised I want random opportunities to come up I want kind of to be able to capitalize on funny things that happen or chance meetings with strangers or an invitation to an event or all those things you just don't know where they're going to lead and we, my husband and I were talking about this yesterday because our kids are massive bookworms and they are ambassadors for a local bookshop and they get um, kind of pre-sale copies of new kids' books to review before they come out, which they love and is a huge privilege. And 
Um, Noah, our 13 year old, just sent his latest book review in and it was so good. He clearly loved this book and it was so brilliantly written and kind of one of those moments as a parent you feel really proud and my husband texted me from work and said I've just read it and it's so good and I said this is the kind of thing that will lead to bigger opportunities for him and I know he's only 13 but books are probably his biggest love um so doing something like this as far as I'm concerned it will lead to other opportunities when he's old enough to be on social media a bit more he can share those book reviews. He can review yeah. books for other people. He can write for himself. And I just think that's where it all begins, isn't it? And anything we can do as parents to encourage kids um, with kind of hobbies that might emerge to be something bigger, I think is so important. Um, yeah, so important. And, and, and kind of, I think as business leaders, we've got a massive responsibility to work with the education system in general to give kids access to real world experiences. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, and just going back to your point about variety, I'm very much the same. I, I, I take on too much, you know, I now I've started a podcast and and everything, (laughs) but to your point, I I really want to just do all these extra things. But what I was going to say, I think that it's easier to do all these extra things now because of the technology we have yes. around us and available to us. Whereas, you know, even like five years ago, it would have just been so prohibit- prohibitive from a cost perspective, a time perspective, you know, you name it. But yeah, we're in a, we're in a great position now where, I don't know, I think you can try more things. And, you know, if it works, great. If it doesn't, then it's not been such a massive time or financial investment that no, you know, you're you come right. away from it thinking, Oh God, what have I done? So yeah. And it's a, I think it, the key is to, to walk away if it's not right, isn't it? And yeah. when it's a hobby and it was interesting, actually, when we were interviewing recently for a role, I was asking people as part of the interview process, kind of what are their hobbies? What do they enjoy outside of work? And one candidate said to me, um, I'm, I'm just trying new things there's this massive pressure for a hobby to become a side hustle yeah. and make money which I just thought was so interesting she said so I'm just doing stuff for fun and it doesn't have to be anything bigger than that and I think that's such a good point hobbies should be fun they don't have to become projects they don't have to become all-encompassing they should yeah. be things that you can pick up and drop and leave and pick back up um, and they should, yeah, they should be an enjoyable part of your life, not not a pressure or a big expectation. No, it's true. Um, it's I have to true. take that lesson for myself as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it is true, and I think it's yeah. Everyone's talking about you know monetizing your passion, right? You know, if you if you're doing something you love, then you never work in a day in your life, which is true, I guess. But at the same time it just it takes away a lot of the fun from a lot of stuff for a lot of people sometimes and yeah yeah um, absolutely it does it's a, a balance in. isn't it yeah because you start doing stuff that you know because everything's about the money then it's like oh okay mm. and it changes your approach to something or the process and yeah it's a fine line i think like everything nuanced yeah. i guess is the word yeah um so you've obviously done a lot, you know, you said about all your jobs or about, you know, you've got kids, you're married. Tell me what, what's been one of the most pivotal moments in your life? Do you know what? I feel like it should be becoming a mother massively because obviously it's very, it's 
hugely pivotal and um, really, really hard. (laughs) And I love my kids and I feel incredibly lucky to have been able to have children. Um, But my God, I have battled constantly over the last 14 years with the juggle, the guilt, the emotions, everything that comes with trying to be a half decent parent and have a career. Um, But I I don't know. I don't know if it's pivotal because it's an evolution, isn't it? You adapt every day and you learn, hopefully learn a better ways each day of being a parent and juggling the two things. But it does, ch- I, you say that, but I mean, just for me, I think I, before my first daughter came along, I'd also employed people. I had teams working for me. I'd worked for people and, and it, it wasn't the most pivotal moment in my life, but it was pivotal in the sense mm. that it totally changed my perspective on how I looked at things, you know, yeah. um, both from an employer or employee, as well as just mm. um, someone, you know, who, who just parenting. I mean, I'm sure you, like every other parent who's going to listen or watch this and is going to go, oh, you know, I, I'm not going to give my kid junk food or I'm not going <laughs> to bribe my kid. Or, I'm and then you become a kid. parent. <laughs> Yeah, and then it's like, oh, okay, and it's just standard behavior, <laughs> standard yeah, operating yeah. procedure. So I don't know. I think it could be pivotal because it it definitely changes an outlook or yeah, a thought process. Yeah, it really does. It really, I mean, I guess in that, looking at it that way, there's been a few things that have been pivotal. One was running my own business for nine years. That was hugely rewarding, but also a huge shock. And I realized over those years how poorly equipped I was to run a business from a people perspective especially I had this mentality that if you treat people the way you want to be treated then you'll be fine but that's it's just utter crap because everybody wants to be treated differently (laughs) so it makes no sense at all Um, and I realized that it's quite a fine art getting to know someone enough to know how they want to be managed without trying to be their friend yeah is it's really difficult and something I it's always been important to me but I take heat I probably spend 50% of my time at least on leadership and people management because that kind of old adage that you can't have culture you can't have strategy without culture kind of thing is so true I think you build a framework where people love what they do and they love being part of that business and that team and they feel so empowered to do a fantastic job their way and be communicative and all those things um that's huge I mean I I see it every day from the team I work with just what brilliant ideas they come up with and how invested they are in what we're trying to achieve and that's because we've given them the the kind of the privilege and the the right to own their job and define their job role and get what they want out of it as well um so yeah running my own business was definitely pivotal and I I made so many mistakes and learned so much and then I guess the other thing would be finding um mentors and coaches who have supported me um through my career has been life-changing in so many ways and 
I guess I've had three mentors, one being my husband, because he's from a totally different sector and has a totally different perspective. And that has been invaluable. And he's always really championed me having a career and, and kind of following my um, chosen career path. Does, does he know he's your mentor? Um, I don't think he would be surprised if I no, I don't think he would be surprised actually because he's that kind of person. He's a police okay. officer, so he's got that real those um, incredible listening skills, compassion, empathy, um, clear headedness, level thinking, problem solving, objective, all those skills that I don't have. <laughs> um and so he's he's definitely we're definitely chalk and cheese, and he's able to really give me bring me back down to ground down to the ground a bit um give me a different perspective challenge my thinking but also that level of reassurance when you have those imposter syndrome moments as well right um so yeah he's and, and my kids oh my gosh I ask my kids a lot of stuff God, that's risky, isn't it they but they give you such a black and white response yeah. If you say, oh, do you think I should tell this person that um, I'm a bit frustrated about something? Well, of course you could. You, of course you should tell them and you should say it like this and you should be remember to be nice, remember to be kind and um, tell, them, tell them what you think and then ask them what they think. And they're just so literal about everything. Um, so, yeah, especially my nine-year-old, I quite often say to him, what do you think I should do about this? And he gives me golden answers. I love it. <laughs> I mean, you won't find that advice in any business books, will you? No, you won't. And but it actually, makes a lot our, of sense. Our, our current vision and also my very first business plan when I started out had a section in it called um, What Would a Five-Year-Old Do? And it's about kind of thinking on a childlike level. I think um, also Paul Lindley of Ella's Kitchen, his book is a lot about thinking like a child and he's got some quite good mantras in, in his book as well. Interesting. So was, it, was there a third? A yes. Then? Yeah. So a coach I've had for a couple of years now who was recommended by a friend. She, she's not a business coach necessarily. She's a, I don't particularly like the term life coach, but she, um, she works with all sorts of people. And sometimes I just need someone impartial to listen to me download. And yeah. yes, she has loads of good tools and frameworks and processes and um all those kind of things that coaches have but she also will just listen and go you could be right why don't you try that or what could be that why don't you have a go at that or have you she she never tells me what to do because coaches don't do that do they but she always just she gives me an environment where i can question myself out loud with someone to kind of nudge me in new directions. And I just find it just absolutely invaluable. I come away every time feeling re-energized and focused and motivated and confident. I think that's a lot of what you need in business is just belief in the value that you add. And it's really easy for that to be knocked. And nine times out of 10, it's you yourself that knocks that confidence it's not it's never an external source it's you you're kind of inner critic saying you've not done this before how do you know you're doing it right and that can be really crippling but actually that there's a positive way to frame that you've not done that this before 
therefore the world's your oyster. Yeah. You can try everything. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work, but this is new and exciting. So crack on. Um, so yeah, I get a huge, huge um, value out of um, seeing a coach. I see her every month. What what led to that decision? I mean, I, and I asked that from a, a bit of a selfish point of view. Like I, I've considered a coach um, off and on over the last few years, and I've always steered away from it for one reason yeah. or another what what led you to go down that path of I mean did you seek it out or was it a, um, someone recommended it so when I first started my career I had a mentor through a kind of a, a mentoring service and he became an incredible friend and still is to this day and I became a mentor through that service as a result um, like a voluntary kind of mentoring service local service and I just right found that hugely helpful and I've always been a networker I've always been a bit of an oversharer so it it's, feels very natural to me to sit and share my experiences and listen to other people's experiences I've always been I've always found that hugely satisfying um, and then I had a coach um, for a long time who was absolutely incredible and it just kind of ran its course it I, I, w- I think I was probably re- subconsciously ready for a change and ready for an injection of new um, uh, new perspective, not even new perspective, just to different. spend time with someone new, a different approach. Yeah. Um, and I was looking to change jobs at the time. So that probably um, amplified that need as well because I was in a period of transition. We were halfway through lockdown so probably a huge amount was happening for me at the time I had the kids at home I was working in a demanding job which consisted of back-to-back meetings most days Um, and I was feeling the frustrations of not having the work-life balance I felt that I should have earned by that stage in my career Um, so I was looking for a change I was looking to go back into a sector that I loved I've always been in kind of travel tourism and leisure um and um actually I one of the things I did at that point when I started working with that coach was to try and do a video a a recruitment video (laughs) for LinkedIn so I um it was supposed to be a really kind of short minute and a half hi I'm Catherine this is who I am this is what I do I'm actively looking for a new opportunity this is the type of value I think I can bring to a business um because I, I don't really believe in the, the kind of the CV recruitment system. I, I just don't think it works anymore. I think a lot of people probably feel the same. And this the, video the, the was... The last person I hired, I didn't even see a CV. Well, a lot of the time you don't need to. You don't need to, do you? So I, I was I... hoping to be one of those people that didn't need to rely on a CV. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this video was horrendous. It was awful. And I just... I'd spent so long doing so many takes. I was really frustrated that this kind of idea I'd had just wasn't going to pan out and that I just wasn't natural enough on video and it wasn't going to do me any favours at all. So I left it for a day and then I was scanning through the folder of of clips and realised just how many outtakes there were, horrendous outtakes, tongue-tied, people interrupting, my husband heckling me in the background so he knew what I was trying to do, um, realising that it wasn't even recording. So I ended up in about five minutes stitching all these outtakes together and saying, sod it, I'm just going to publish that. And actually it was the most 
it was probably the the furthest reaching post I've ever put on LinkedIn. Um, And in hindsight, it probably summed up my personality better than anything I was set I had set out to do and um days out got in touch off the back of that so it, Isn't it funny I, it worked out. <laughs> I mean one, one might argue that's a pivotal moment absolutely I mean days out is my dream job it is in a sector I love it's the t- a creative dynamic environment where I can hire really smart people we can try different stuff we can push the boundaries a bit we can be a bit cheeky and naughty with our content and people are starting to notice I mean this is a gradual kind of build we're not even live yet but people are starting to notice what we're doing and and sitting up and going "Mm, actually these guys might be doing something a bit different we should watch yeah and and that is so important to bring people on that journey and that makes me so excited and also, they, I've created a work-life balance that is so important to me. I go for a walk every morning before I start work. I finish at a decent time. I can pick my kids up. I manage to juggle time in Oxford or time in Manchester around the kids and help from grandparents and that kind of yeah. thing. So when I am working, I feel so engaged and so invested. And when I'm not, I feel like I can switch off. I'm, I'm never panicking about a board meeting or um an investor deck or stupid stuff if I'm thinking about work it's because I've seen an advert on tv and it's inspired me to think about a new idea and it's all good positive stuff um because it's the type of business where they prioritize creativity over form filling or reports or that kind of rubbish Um, bureaucracy exactly there's no red tape there's no politics, there's no airs and graces, there's no red tape. It's just an absolutely brilliant environment to be in and I, I love it and I can't wait to carry on hiring people and growing the team and, and seeing just how big and exciting we can make this business. That's pretty amazing and inspirational to hear. I think, um, I don't know if you've read it, there's a book I've just started reading called uh, Do Present. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Do Book Company, but yes. I love them. I've got a few I... of them up there. And I would show it to you, but it's on my bedside table at the moment. But um, I started reading that because obviously I'm doing these podcasts and videos. I, like, I need to sort of, maybe I need to work on that a bit more. But I'm only like one chapter in and I, I've recommended it to two people this morning already. I think if, if, if you want to do more public speaking or presenting or anything, I think it's it's quite powerful but I will definitely check that out I love a book recommendation and I met met up with a um, guy who heads up a, quite a few attractions a couple of weeks ago we met for lunch and I hadn't seen him for ages and he bought me a book with him and I just think I was so touched because he knows I love book recommendations and uh, going back to our point about surprise and delight and going yeah. above and beyond to change someone's day I was chuffed a bit so it was such a nice thing to do and I think knowing someone well enough to know they would love a book is a real sign of a, a good relationship isn't it so I think yeah. recommending books to people and sharing books and that kind of thing in business networks is such a great thing to do 100% agree 100% um I want to talk about advice now and I know you've been a mentor so you've probably given out a lot of advice but what's some of the best pieces of advice you've ever received Oh, gosh. Um, 
this sounds like a really simple one, but I think the best piece of advice that I've received and I tell myself every day is to be myself. Okay. Just just be you. Do it, do it your way. I had such mixed experiences in my really early career. Um, situations where kind of being myself was questioned. Um, I, had, I remember when I was running my own business, I had a, a potential client call me um, on the phone not spoken to him before it's half past five on a Friday and I explained as politely as I possibly could that um I'd love to have a proper chat with him at the start of the week when I could give him my full attention because I was just kind of feeding my baby son and um when we spoke on the Monday he said may I suggest to you that you don't disclose to people who might want to work with you that you're a parent if you want to attract new business Wow. Oh my God. Can I? And it really made me question could I be a mum and a a business owner? I was like, do I have to be two different people? Do I need an at work persona and an out of work persona? And it really, I challenged myself on it for a long time. Um, And that, I mean, that was only, gosh, that was 15 years ago. So not that long ago, really. But you think about how much the world has changed in terms of diversity now I mean to the point where it's every other post on LinkedIn you see is about um women in the workplace or um it's about culture diversity neuro um divergent um embracing autism and ADHD in the workplace which is incredible um we are so much more understanding and flexible about people's strengths and weaknesses and hidden superpowers and being a parent, having autism, they are massive superpowers. They are things that if you let people excel, will give them an added edge that that is invaluable to a business. Um, and you want a diverse workplace. You want different personalities, different walks of life. You want parents. You want young people. You want older people. You want all, like, a melting pot of personalities don't you but you do because ultimately your customers and your clients are all going to be different types of people as well and it it kind of always amazes me how everyone you know everyone sort of pushes this one size fits all approach to everything you know you have to fit into this binary bucket um I definitely think we're learning. The world isn't like that so why should companies be like that is yeah it's a bit strange isn't it but do you think do you think people are do you think that attitude has changed? I do. I think it's massively changed. I still think you get the odd stick in the mud who kind of will will challenge those beliefs about the workplace, whether it's how you dress for work or um, there's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, recently about what is deemed as professional in the workplace and all these kind of things. But, yeah, I think on the whole, the, the world of work has changed for the better, hugely changed for the better, and is that something now you're in a position of power that you'll bring into your own company that is something at front of mind when, you, when you're hiring people or when you're, you know, working with your teams? Yeah, absolutely. And just day to day when we're sitting in the office together and we're talking about something and we go off down a rabbit hole and you end up talking about, I don't know, your wedding day or your last birthday or what you did at the weekend or a new outfit that you've bought or just silly kind of frivolous stuff. I... I think now there's this I've certainly noticed a much more relaxed dynamic in in the workplace that people feel that they can bring their whole self to work and again that's one of the things we've got in our values is 
be be bring your whole self to work you should never have to leave bits behind um and you should be able to sit and talk candidly about if you want to obviously um your relationships or your mental health or um struggles with I don't know, health eating or diet or exercise or whatever it might be that you've got going on, you should be able to bring that to work and it not be seen as a weakness. And I I love it when we have those kind of conversations in the office. I love it when people feel they can let their guard down a bit and just be totally open about what they've got going on because so much easier as a business to, to support people and give them a, a framework to work in if, if you if they feel comfortable talking to you openly about what their world looks like and you know what's funny is that everyone um like so many businesses are striving for that culture fit everyone wants to have like the great culture and you know whether or not that's nights out or ping pong tables and i'm being totally cliche here but actually what you're talking about that for me that's where the culture comes from right if everyone's being themselves and then everyone feels comfortable enough in that to then drive whatever agenda they want to do then that's for me that's where culture comes from and that's where i think companies win and i think that yeah you know you keep your staff and you you get the best out of people and people enjoy it and it's that agree yeah i think that's i think that's really key and very much like we were talking about um custom service and word of mouth and all those things it's free and culture is also free culture Mm. isn't um like you say putting a ping pong table in the corner culture is listening and being accessible culture is about everyone in a business feeling that they have a voice and they have a say and that they can instill change i mean it it should be it should be natural shouldn't it that's the key thing but it's hard i think you have to you have to create culture it doesn't just happen there might be some instances where you manage to bring together a group of people who just instinctively get it and are all totally aligned. But I think that's quite rare. I do think you have to create culture. You have, you can't expect people to know that they have a voice unless you say you have a voice. I yeah. know it should be inherent, but unfortunately, I don't. Or, or think do that's you create true. the environment? Yeah, is, it, is yeah. it creating the environment for it to grow, right? Exactly, because you will get people who have come from all sorts of different backgrounds. You get people who have come from a business where they've not been given that opportunity. So they will bring that baggage with them. They will bring that expectation that I'm here to do yeah. a job and I don't have a, a say. So you've got to address that. You've got to say, this is a culture where everyone has a voice. This is a culture where you can be yourself. There is no judgment. Um, this is a culture where all ideas are welcome this is a culture where we encourage you to fail and we want you to own your mistakes and and share them and so we can all learn from them because a lot of businesses don't operate like that so you have I think you've got to spell that out and I think that's where sometimes culture falls down where teams will go oh they should know that they can come and talk to me anytime well if you haven't told them that your door's always open and that you can that you want to hear warts and all what's going on in the business then people won't necessarily know no no it's very true um i feel like i'm just going to move on to the next question but i I don't know if we've covered this or not i guess you'll tell me but to tell me some of the most valuable lessons you've learned over the years do you know what yeah it's funny you should say that because it is definitely about leadership um and and what a massive job um leading teams is all by itself regardless of 
the strategy and the the day-to-day in a business you've got to constantly learn and find creative ways to communicate inspire encourage people um you can't you can't be a nice person and expect that to be enough um because nice doesn't give structure or um expectations or empowerment um you've got to find that really careful balance between having a strategy and a plan but also spontaneity as well um so yeah i think my most valuable lesson learned is definitely something we've touched on already it's that um, you can't just rock up and expect people to like you and that to equate to being a good leader that's interesting that is out of curiosity and I've just suddenly thought this off the top of my head, but what impact do you think being a parent has had on being a leader? And I guess also vice versa. Good question. Um, oh, I don't know where to start with that question. I was going to say patience, but I'm definitely not a more patient person than I was I pre-children. Um, I, th- I think in a funny way having kids has taught me that if I'm going to spend a huge portion of my life at work away from my kids, then it needs to be fun. And I need to come home from work buzzing because if I come home fed up and miserable, that has a huge impact on my family. Um, And that's not the role model I want to be for them. I want them to be equally as excited to work hard at school and get through their education and get out there in the big wide world, whichever direction that takes them in. I don't want them to see a frazzled parent who comes home in a a massive mood and reaches straight for the red wine. Um, So I guess the impact parenting has had on me in the world of work is to find and create balance. Um, it, It might, it's probably changed my leadership style in that, I definitely show up as me. Um, I show up as my whole self and I'm honest when I'm trying to juggle or I'm honest when I can't make two things work at once because I'm a parent as well. Um, I'm probably more empathetic. I'm probably a better listener even if I'm not patient because you get really used to um, spotting hidden signs that something's not quite right um because I, I a lot of parents will know that when they pick up their kids from school and they go have you had a good day and they say yeah fine what did you do nothing, nothing. what was fun nothing who did you sit with at lunch same people and you just get nothing back mm. but you can instinctively tell if that's a flippant nothing or yeah. uh, something else going on there um and i think it's I'm not saying I kind of wear my mum hat to work. I'm I'm not kind of that mother hen in the office that kind of tries to keep all my babies close. But I do think you develop a a really good instinct for knowing if someone's not quite feeling their best self and and knowing whether it's right to approach that or maybe do something a little bit more kind of low key so they know you're there if they need if you um, they need you or all that kind of thing. So it definitely gives you added skills. Um, But on the flip side, there are definitely challenges as well of (laughs) trying to do both. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about um, decisions you made throughout your life and some of the best ones. Um, 
going, making the move back from running a business to being employed again was a big decision for me, but the right one. Um, I, I loved running my own business. I ran a, a, a PR agency for nine years. Um, and like I said before, it was a huge learning curve, eye-opener, and, and kind of celebrating a new client win when it's your business is is huge it's it's so rewarding but it's also absolutely all-encompassing a lot of people say I'm going to be self-employed because it gives me freedom Mm. (laughs) it doesn't give me freedom it ties you to your business unless you are in a really fortunate position to scale it quickly and step back and I wasn't in that position it was a small agency we were six six or seven people um and I was that business. And what I did wrong was I built a business that relied on me. I went out and pitched for a new business with the team. I kind of put together the proposals with the team. I was absolutely integrated into that business. And if I wanted to step away, it the model didn't work. Um, and, yep. and that was a huge um learning for me and actually I I didn't actively make the choice to sell the business or go back into employment but we pitched for a big big client who ended up asking me to go in-house and and run the the PR marketing strategy and offered me an opportunity that just wouldn't come along very often Um, as a result of you pitching to them yeah at the same time exactly so I decided that it was right it felt for for many reasons it felt like the right thing to do um and so I took the plunge and I I never looked back from that moment and it's probably another big thing that shaped um shaped my approach in business is that you have to create teams that don't need you you have to hire people who are smarter than you and that again that's an old cliche but it's so true and I love it when I sit with my team now and I say, oh, I, th- I really think we should do this and we should do it that way. And they go, mm, I think we should probably do that. But this way, I'm like, yes, that is such a better idea. And nothing gets me more excited than having those kind of conversations where you could kind of plant a seed, but someone knows someone's got a much better way of doing it. And then they just go off and do it. Um, and I love that. And I didn't have that luxury when I ran my own business. I didn't, I wasn't experienced enough or um, knowledgeable enough of how to build teams to see that I, I was, I kind of, I was a bit of a control freak, to be honest. I, I, I wanted to own the whole thing from start to finish. It was my baby. I was building something incredible. And in hindsight, I know now you cannot do that on your own you uh, you need a team of people who believe equally in what you're doing to achieve that you can't build something incredible on your own it's it's pretty much impossible i'm happy to be challenged on that but i think it's really really tough do you regret that how do i word this so do you regret that you didn't build the business in the right way to then be still doing it I know you said it's one of the best decisions you've made to go in-house but yeah would you Um, rather you'd done it right in the first place and then or not right sorry that's the wrong word would you rather you'd done it differently to then not have to go employ it's fascinating topic for me right because many entrepreneurs a lot of their drive I guess is not having to work for someone else 
Yeah. And yeah. I speak to a lot of people who have their own business. And one of their key things is, you know, I want to be my own boss. Yeah. And the thought of going back into full-time employment for someone else is, you know, kind of just horrendous for people. So I, whilst it was yeah. the best decision for you, do you wish it hadn't worked out like that? Or are you, are you totally happy with where Yeah, I, I don't regret it at all. Uh, so I, I um, started the business for exactly that reason, because I wanted to be my own boss. I felt I was slightly unemployable because I was that person who was always meddling in other things, always getting distracted by what other teams were doing, always wanted to know what other people were doing too, and um, just... Mm was this kind of magpie and and always had a strong opinion and um, always thought there was a better way of doing it and was getting really frustrated, especially in agencies of being told that's not your domain, back off. Yeah. I was like, oh God, this is really frustrating. But I was like, oh, but me, me pick me, pick me, listen to what I've got to say. And um, just being a pain in the ass, really. And I decided that if I wanted to be able to use There's those so opinions, many parallels between you and me here. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, I just thought, I, if I want to do it my way, I'm going to have to do it for myself. Um, so I, yeah. I, I don't regret anything. I, what I regret is the crap boss I was to the people I employed because I just I tried so hard. And at some points, the dynamic was brilliant. At other points, they felt lost and disengaged and, and not empowered because I was on this kind of one-track vision to to achieve something. And I, I honestly believed I could build an empire. I was pregnant when I set up the business. I had my first son in that first year and then had my second son a couple of years later. I did it at the hardest possible time in my whole life alongside kind of becoming a mum and all the emotions and difficulties that come with that. But, Mm. and I didn't, I, I wasn't listening. I just wasn't aware of the signals from, from kind of clients, my team, other influences, because I was so focused on, I'm going to take over the world. I, I can do this. I can do it with a baby. I can, do anything anything's possible um and it was the right attitude to have but it was I just was so fixated I just wasn't aware of anything that was going on outside of that bubble whereas right. now I would say I'm the opposite I would say I'm hyper aware of everything that's going on around me and and that is a real blessing because that's where some of my best ideas come from that's where um I stop and take time to just sit and talk to my colleagues no agenda just sit and talk and listen um and also from a work-life balance perspective like I'm saying before I go for a walk every morning I finish at a sensible time I I've learned what I need to do to switch off and look after myself and put my mental health first whereas then I, I mean if my husband was at work I was coming home picking up my son from nursery giving him his tea putting him to bed and then working from seven till midnight and it was stupid and I know there's a lot of debate about is that productivity is it not everyone's got a different opinion for me it was too much and it was stifling that creativity and that drive because I was never stopping um so I guess that's a long long answer to your question is I I have I do have regrets about my leadership 
in that business. I don't have regrets about moving on and going back to the employed world. And what it's taught me is that you a you have to make your expectations to an employer really clear from day one. This is the kind of person I am. This is how I work best. This is what I want out of a role. This is how you will get the most out of me. Um, these are some of my flaws and and go into that as a really open conversation about what both parties might get out of that role. And if that fits right, then fantastic. You've started on kind of a really transparent um, basis to grow from. Um, And I I have learned that I'm not unemployable, luckily, (laughs) but I do work really well with certain types of people, people who will let me have an opinion and, and argue my case and will will give me that opportunity sometimes I'm wrong a lot of the time I'm wrong but I I I love that kind of that debate and that dialogue to get to the right answer and I need someone who will invest that time in me we're all wrong like sometimes you know none of us are perfect none of us 100% right all the time and I think that once bosses realize or even just bosses when people realize that whether it's in your personal life with your husband or mm. you know me with my wife or you know employees you, your kind of perspective on everything changes doesn't it because yeah. i mean you see on social media i mean you know every, people are scared to post stuff on social media because you put one slight thing wrong you know it could be an opinion it could be a typo it could be anything and the amount of people would jump down your throat like you know oh you've never ever made a mistake and i think that actually I mean, it kind of segues on nicely to the next question. So you've obviously learned a lot. You've obviously, you know, worked out what's, you know, you, you said you're a bad, uh, you were a bad leader, but having that experience as a bad leader, I assume has taught you stuff that now makes you a good leader, which is great. And it's it's good to hear or that, you, that you're aware of that. And, you know, it sounds to me like you're doing well at the moment. You've got things in order. You're very aware of, of your pros and cons you know you good things and bad things so it kind of segues nicely on to say what's something that you do struggle with um i guess there's two things for me one is overdoing things and and uh fussing about the detail i guess um when something could be quite simple and straightforward and just as good I tend to want kind of the marching band and the confetti cannon and the fancy dress and <laughs> everything bigger and better than ever. There was a, I think it was last summer, um, we were coming out of lockdown and the kids were due to have sleepovers in the garden in the tent with friends before they went back to school in September. And um, they both got COVID and we had to cancel and they were gutted. They were so upset. Um, so we put the tent up anyway and it's a decent sized tent. So um Tom and I agreed that we would sleep in the tent with the kids instead and that we'd have tea in the garden and this, that and the other. And um, as a kind of second best having the friends over, we'd still camp in the garden. And I then got really carried away and said, let's have a festival in the garden. (laughs) And the kids were like, yeah, let's have a festival in the garden. And so I was up in the loft and found some bunting and then it just grew like to this massive thing. And we had a chill out area and we had a face like glitter face painting area and we had we got the barbecue out and uh, and then I went I was like, I'll get on Amazon I'll bu- we'll do temporary tattoos and we'll do this and uh, we'll get we'll get bucket hats because you can't have a festival without bucket hats for everyone and it was ridiculous and then I can't remember what happened but 
I tried to cancel one of the things that I bought on Amazon and I, I probably bought, I probably had six things coming. It was, it was silly, but by accident cancelled everything. I was like, okay. oh, oh my God, I've just cancelled everything. And it was like next day delivery and this, that and the other. And it had to come the next day. And <laughs> I was so cross. It's like, right, that's it. The festival's cancelled and this, that and blah, blah, blah. And Tom's like, get a grip, will you? The kids just wanted to camp in the garden. This is, you yeah. just going overboard. And so nothing came from Amazon. It really didn't matter. We didn't need any of the crap that I'd ordered, the transfers or the bucket hats or the bubble wands or whatever else I thought we desperately needed for this occasion um and I have to remind myself that sometimes simple is better (laughs) and that no no one else needs or wants those things except me Um, and why am I kind of busting your gut to put the kind of the curly ribbon and the the (laughs) confetti and the everything else on stuff it, when it doesn't actually yeah well <laughs> funny you should say that we went to an amazing wedding at the weekend there's such a great band and I came home saying what could we book that band for what could we use them for and I was like we don't have an occasion for a band I was like I know but they were so good seems a shame not to um but yeah I do I get really I get carried away with things like that um and that's probably leads to my second struggle is been is switching off and having a busy brain and that's why I have to really look after my mental health because if if I don't then that busy brain wakes me up at 3am and I can't get back to sleep if I'm good and I'm going for a walk every day and eating sensibly and saving the red wine for the weekend and being present with the kids and all those things and not overdoing it then I sleep like a baby and those brilliant ideas come to me in the shower in the morning or on the, on my walk and life is good. And it's taken me a long, long time to realise, probably like lots of people after lockdown, how much you have to invest in your mental well-being as well as physical and how yeah. different you can feel by doing some quite simple things to look after yourself, um, what what an astronomical difference that makes. Because I'm not a yoga person. I'm, I can't meditate. I have tried. I will carry on trying. Um, mm-hmm. But there are things that work for me, like going for a walk, that change my entire day. Um, and I will always make time for that now. Whereas before, especially before lockdown, I would have known what is the soonest possible minute I can switch my laptop on? And I would have been checking my emails as soon as I got up. And I don't do that anymore because it's not productive. It, it doesn't, I'm not a better person for it. No, and it's funny how um, you said about not meditating and, and not doing yoga. It's, it's funny, again, how many people think, you know, that there's only one way to fix your mental health. Like I'm the same. So I, I go for a run most days or every day and for me that is my meditation you know or when I go swimming um that is that is how I meditate I've tried meditating you know I've I've done all the apps and I've done the sort of sitting down and I just just can't I have a busy brain too and it just doesn't work for me yeah and that's fine right not everything works for everyone and but what does work for me is knowing that I'm going to go and do a run you know whether it's a quick mile around the block or whether it's a 10k or whatever like that is what where I go to to get my brain to shut down a little bit and actually readjust um 
so I, I totally understand why the walking thing works for you and I think it's mm. it's great I do, love it. do you do you listen to anything or is it is no. a podcast or is it a I don't and it's funny actually because sometimes I because I have quite a long drive up to Manchester as well sometimes I get in the car and think oh yeah what have I got an audible to listen to and it will usually be kind of a, a business development book of some um description but there are other times where I think I have not got space in my head and I and so I'll listen to music or even like five live or something and probably yeah. isn't um again it's about what's right for you in that moment and when I'm walking I don't want anything else going in I just want to watch what's happening around me say good morning to the regular dog walkers notice what's changed in the park since I last walked that route um look at the big houses on the nice streets around the park I, I just it's it's about having um no agenda I suppose no thought process and and there's lots of kind of schools of thought around learning how to let your mind wander and I guess that's what meditation is about as well isn't it it's it's kind of letting go of thoughts um so yeah when I walk I don't listen to anything purposefully and I just let whatever comes to mind come to mind sometimes I write notes down sometimes I send people a voice note of something I'm thinking about I'm that annoying person who voice notes my colleagues and and goes oh my gosh I've just had a thought could we put this on TikTok <laughs> they're like uh, yeah, not not so much <laughs> um okay. but yeah going like I say I love book, it your, going back to your book comment a minute ago you said about listening to business books do you ever listen to fiction or read no, fiction? I, no I don't and I think that's a real failing on my part um not that I don't enjoy it but I just I don't well, so the reason I much. asked was because the reason I asked was because I used to similar to you I was always I mean you probably see from my bookshelf behind me like consuming business books mm. all the time or personal development books yeah and actually I found that sometimes it made my brain fry even more because I was like yeah, oh it... I'm not doing this I'm not doing this or I should be doing that and I actually made a conscious effort about a year ago because I, I love reading I'm a you know I'm a big reader and I made a conscious effort about a year ago to say I'm going to read fiction. I'm going to read, start reading fiction again. I love fiction books. And I would do it before bed some nights, most nights. And But it was for that exact reason. I thought, oh, yeah. how can I sort of just take my mind? Because otherwise I'd be laying in bed. I'd read some, I don't know, whatever book about anything, business or personal development. And then you lay in bed going, all oh, right, okay, so tomorrow I'm going to start doing this habit or I'm going to start implementing this strategy and actually I found it was having the exact same it was causing the problem that I was trying to get rid of yeah Um, you're absolutely right and then you kind of you start your day going oh well I failed already because I forgot that I was going to get up at 5 a.m and um be mindful and write down things I'm grateful for or um, I've tried to Inbox do this one page marketing six. plan and I don't get it or um, I've set out to call 10 people a day and just say hi yeah. and check in and say and I haven't got time it, it, it can't it's a blessing and a curse isn't it and I mm. do think one of the other things I've learned over the last year or so is that part of our roles as business people is to build that into our day. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the car or at bedtime or 
in a lunch break or at your weekend, yeah. it is absolutely fine to create space in your nine to five day to read blogs, to listen to podcasts, to read books, to 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 stop. And I had a, I've had a couple in my bag recently. One was the oh, I'm not going to remember exactly what it's called, but it's the um, classic from the 1950s, 60s called How to Come Up with Ideas. I'll, have, okay. I'll dig out the author, but it's a really quick, like, 25-minute read book. Um, and I sat and read it one morning at work the other day, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so true. And, again, I was in I was in the right mindset to do something with that information and use it to my advantage, whereas if I'd read that before bed, I would have gone to work thinking, how am I going to use this? What am I going to do? And then I would have – it just – I would have stewed on it, and then in the morning I'd think, well, moment's gone kind of thing – and yeah. probably would have got no benefit out of it. So I, I really strongly believe you have to find time in your working day to consume new information, but also sit and reflect on it as well and give no, your t- brain time to aerate it a bit and figure out how that works for you. And even if it does, because some books are actually rubbish and you yeah. force yourself to think, how am I going to apply this new discipline in my business? And you shouldn't have to. You don't need to all the time. No, I'm a big believer in that as well. I think it's. I think there's there's a lot of weird attitudes to what a workday looks like, and you know, nine to five, and being present and doing all this stuff, and even I mean, we were having this conversation the other day about times when one is more most productive throughout the day. Like I know <clears throat> that I'm very productive first thing. I know I'm very productive last thing. So I will assign my tasks accordingly. And, you know, if it means that I have a, it's funny enough, because I, I had a pretty heavy weekend, exercise weekend. And yesterday I didn't sleep very well Sunday night. And then yesterday I was exhausted. So I had a mm. nap about one o'clock for 20 minutes. And my wife thought it was hilarious. <laughs> She's taking pictures going, you know, this isn't a work day, but. But I bet you're so much day? better like, for it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, uh, um, and I mean, what, what am I going to do instead? I'm just going to sit there and just stare at my monitor. Yeah. And, I don't know, and that's what people do. Be... Yeah. yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And um, a couple of my friends who work in quite corporate jobs laugh at me because um, sometimes for the last, if I'm working at home for the last half hour, I do WFB, work from bed. <laughs> and they said you can't do that I said why can't I it's not professional you can't work from your bed that's ridiculous imagine if I just said to my boss I'm going to work from my bo- my bed and I said try it see what they say I said I take my notebook and I list out everything I want to get done the next day I go through what I wanted to get done today I check for any loose ends that I want to tie up and it just changes my mindset it changes my scenery I, I'm relaxed I'm comfortable um, and it's probably probably one of the most productive points in my day when I do that. So why the hell not? Like you, productivity is what you define it as, not what anyone else that's defines it as. That's exactly what I was just going to say. It, what works? Who cares? Like what what you do, as long as what works for you, then embrace it. Because you know whether you're an employee or an employer, if your people are you know doing what makes works best for them then ultimately that's best for you so like yeah. i don't know i find it strange that more bosses don't um incorporate that mentality but just kind I, of i try not to take my pillow and my uh soft toy into the office i wonder if that might um freak people out a bit but i totally up for 
um, diversifying how, where, when you work um, to to give people like best opportunity to be productive. Good, good to hear. Um, I mean, interesting. It kind of leads me on to the next question about perception of you, and you know whether it's friends, family, employees, employers, whatever. Do do you think people's perception of you is accurate? Um, yes, worryingly so, I think. Um, <laughs> I think so anyway. I think partly because I'm such an oversharer, I I talk very candidly about um, my life, my perspectives, my thoughts, what I'm doing. Um, so I think people get to know me pretty easily. But And some people will go, oh, my gosh, this is making me shudder. But I actually surveyed my network <laughs> okay um to find out and this is about two months ago to find out um what like what people's perception of me was because i'm i am uh, my personal brand is important to me um and i've noticed huge number of people jumping on the kind of personal brand bandwagon over the last three months or so um and that i feel like there's this little bit of a lilt towards you have to have bright pink hair or you have to have something quirky or you have to be really, really young or um, you have to have made a huge success of yourself very quickly. Or And that's not what personal brand is. Personal brand is about being remembered and recognised for a skill set um, and ideally a personality type as well. Um, yeah. So I ask people three things. What am I good at? what do they know before and how am I different from other people? And I don't know what I was expecting, but I thought people would say things like, um, she's creative or she's really focused sorry, on... Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. Who, who, who did you put this out to? I put this out to about 30 people that I know from the business world, but I also put it out to my husband and my kids and my mum... <laughs> Okay. My mum my didn't fill in the survey because she we stumbled over the first question of why I was doing it. So that <laughs> didn't go as planned. But it was mainly people who I know through my current job, um, people who've worked with me, for me, people who've employed me. So a real kind of 360 of people who I'm connected with um, in business. Okay. So what um, were the expectations when before you did it? So I I thought I would get quite a consistent kind of, oh, she's quite creative, she comes up with good ideas, or um, she's really driven, or that kind of thing. So I didn't really know what I was expecting, but there were two things that came across time and time again, like pretty much word for word, which was staggering, really. Um, the first one was, she gets shit done, regardless of what it takes to make it happen. And... I guess that is true of me. I'm like a dog with a bone sometimes. If I want something to succeed, I will, I'm pretty determined to make things happen. Um, And the other thing was um, she connects people together. So to get things done, she's great at getting the right people around the table and she'll be really candid about that kind of the journey and the expectations and, um, I guess that comes back to what I was saying before about trying to bring my whole self to work. Um, I love bringing people together. I love networking. I love 
joining up the dots and and getting people as excited as I am about making something happen. So it was really interesting and uh, and, and and nice to hear as well. It gave me a massive boost because I thought the things I'm really passionate about are coming through um, and that kind of yeah. drive is coming through. It, it's not just me in my, on my hamster wheel going, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to succeed. People are seeing me trying to do that and are supportive of that and are engaged with that. Um, but I guess on the flip side, the doubter in me does creep in a bit and I think, oh my God, you're probably a really annoying person with far too many opinions and <laughs> you never stop talking, <laughs> which how much, I think, um, think I need much... to keep a check on. <laughs> no, not at all. How much, how much courage did it take to send that out? Was, was there any fear there at all or not? No, not at all really, because I, I love feedback. I love constructive feedback. I love criticism because... You, it is difficult to be self-aware and I think it's a skill you have to teach yourself but there are some things you just don't know about yourself um, and I've ha- had I've always asked for feedback all through my career and I'm the, when I've had negative feedback if it's been constructive that I can do something with I always will like when I get really overexcited I'll talk over people and I have to be really careful of saving my opinions till the end of a conversation and then joining in because I and this is where I fell down as um, a business owner is I was so carried away with my own opinions I didn't stop and listen often enough so Mm. all feedback is good feedback and maybe I'll send you a survey after this podcast and see (laughs) see see how I fared as a podcast guest (laughs) Is it something you recommend that people do? Absolutely. My God, why would you not? Uh, I just well, think... I guess I guess the reason you might not, and sorry to just jump in there, is, is you are very forward-thinking, very wise, I would say, in your approach to things. And I, I wonder if... So my question asking you about, you know, the courage to do so, because, I don't know, not everybody wants to hear truth or yeah, yeah maybe maybe people are worried about hearing the truth or I don't know maybe some people can't even handle what the responses might be I guess what I would say to that is how crippling can imposter syndrome be when it really sets in you you have those moments where you go oh my god I don't know what I'm doing um nobody trusts me I'm not respected I'm not rated I can't do this it's too much it's too much responsibility all of those things that a lot of people have that is so much more painful than someone saying Catherine do you know what you've got some great ideas but you're one step ahead of everyone else and you need to slow down and listen to what everyone else is saying and read the room Mm. that's a hell of a lot less painful than than that level of self-doubt that can creep in and and those doubts often creep in because you're making massive assumptions about how you are perceived 90 percent of those will be wrong if 10 percent of those are right and you can isolate that 10 percent and and learn and do something with that what i mean what a massive weight like 90 percent of that weight has just lifted off your shoulders um and I want to be respected. I want to be valuable. I want to be um, 
an integral part of the organization I'm part of. And I can only do that with self-awareness. I can only do that if people, the people around me will say to me, um, you really didn't listen in that conversation or, um, I think you, you've been a bit kind of black and white about this and you're not thinking about the bigger picture or um, you tend to be a bit dismissive of other people's ideas. I can't be the person I want to be without that. And I just think, like I said before, it's so much less painful to learn from other people's perceptions of you than it is to carry the weight of, of doubt. I, I, you know, hold my hand up. I think that's a fantastic answer. And I think that's one of the most interesting takeaways from our whole chat and i think that um yeah it's uh i think yeah i think people really benefit from that maybe it's a new product i can put into my business there we go (laughs) (laughs) um you come across as a very passionate person uh and very open Uh, so i'm kind of i'm wondering where this next question is going to go but tell me something if you haven't told me about it already is there anything else or something you're really passionate about? Oh, yes. Um, what am I, What else am I passionate about? My garden. Um, that has become a huge passion over the last couple of years. Um, through lockdown, especially, um, I went, like I've said before, I went on this crazy overdrive of, like, what am I going to do to stimulate my creative brain when I can't be around people and I can't go new places and have different experiences? And gardening became like therapy for me massively um and I'd walk around the garden and pull up a few weeds every morning and so obviously I wasn't doing the school run or anything no commute no school run um and my routine just stopped and I found that really hard whereas my husband was routine didn't change he was still going out to work every day still commuting still coming home at the end of a busy shift Steve still able to kind of exercise because he's got exercise bits and bobs in the garage. I hence I'd never go in the garage. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I needed something. I needed a new structure, um, and so started just buying seeds off eBay and Amazon, like anything. And I'm one of these kind of people who doesn't read the instructions. I just put things in the ground and wait and see what happens, <laughs> which my husband absolutely hates because he's the opposite end of the spectrum. He's kind of reads everything in detail, watches YouTube videos, um, buys all the gear um, and does it all properly. Whereas I kind of just wing it, water it and see what happens. Um, so when stuff did come up, I was absolutely ecstatic. Um and is, it, is, just, is this flowers and plants or yeah, vegetables? Yeah, both now, both now. Yeah. Although my husband's in charge of the veg because you do have to be a bit more scientific with that and do it properly. Well, so, so we have a vegetable patch. and Well, we've moved house since, but at our old house we had one and we um, approached our vegetable seeds um, in the same way you do. And it's like, oh, you know, you have to do it like 40 centimetres apart <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, as if, you know, it's not going to make that much difference, is it? <laughs> It made a difference. We had yeah. courgettes. Oh my god, we had so many courgettes. <laughs> we were giving them away down the street to people. It's just like um, tomatoes everywhere, and it was. I, I'm amazed that anything grew because it was all like. I mean, the reason you have it is so that they can obviously get their own nourishment and whatever. Isn't yeah, it? Um, but you've got to start somewhere, right? So yeah, you, you learn. I mean, these you, nothing has to be perfect, does it? First time no. and uh, so. 
for when we did veg last year, our carrots never got beyond about a centimetre long because there were so many of them so close together and we didn't, um, uh, what are you supposed to do, space them out. Yeah. That they that We had millions of mini, not even like Chantenay size, I mean like barely a carrot there. They were so tiny. Um, but you learn, and it was fun and you learn yeah. and, it, and it filled that time that I needed to switch because I was working at home, being at home all the time. The kids were at home. So I was working in the kitchen. The kids were doing homeschool in the kitchen. We're eating in the kitchen. And I just needed something between that kind of school's finished, work's finished, family time to stop and switch off and be outside of my own four walls. And, and it just, I love it now. And now I'm texting my mum every morning going, oh, this is popped up what is it is it a weed is it a plant is it should I keep it what should I do with it and she'll come back very quickly and say yeah that one's a weed pull that one out I'm like, oh I thought that looked promising but yeah it's just it's a welcome distraction I love it no. so we just need some really good weather now <laughs> yeah I'm the same as you it's kind of funny it's like I, I think oh where did this middle age come from where I I'm know sort of enjoying my garden but you know me and my wife are just sending whatsapp pictures of courgettes coming through and stuff yeah it's brilliant <laughs> I love it um okay final question for you um when you think about the future what do you see oh gosh you're gonna leave me on a really difficult question um balance I, that's what it's all about for me I I've got to a place in my family life career work home that that is the absolute most important thing to me um so balance and surprise i i love it when unexpected things happen in my day i i want to make time for that i want to notice it happening around me and and that that comes from having balance and not having to rush um not having to kind of shove the kids through the school gates because I've stupidly booked a call for court to nine in the morning or yeah. not having to phone other school mums frantically at 10 to three and say, I'm stuck on a call. Um, I can't come and get the kids. Can you help me? And just that does happen. That is real life. It, yeah. it happens from time to time. But when, when you putting yourself in that position every day, it's exhausting and when you've got balance and time, you can plan and you can think about what's happening the next day and you can loosely figure out what you might have for dinner and you can check where the kids are going to be and when and who's picking up who and who's doing what and what clubs and yeah. outfits and meals and snacks are required. Um, and, and, and when I put myself in that space... I love life so much. I love my kids, my husband, my friends, my family, my job, my colleagues, my hobbies, my garden. Mm. Um, and 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 that's it. I hope that doesn't sound superficial and oh, that you make it sound like life's perfect. I get it. It's not, especially not at the moment. There is so much awful stuff going on, but we've still got to carry on with our our lives in our on our little tracks in our yeah. little bubbles and make it the best it possibly can be for ourselves and those that we impact and do our bit to make it better for those who it's harder for and, well, it's, and it's also only about what you can control can't you yeah like, and you what can you control can control the planning and yeah and yeah. and and if i show up as myself in my 
best version of myself every day, I will get the best back out of what life has to offer. And hopefully the impact I have on other people will be the best impact I can have on other people as well. And if that's not the case, then there's something not quite right. And for me, that thing that's not quite right, it always comes back to, to balance circles back to the, your advice about being yourself which is yeah. a very fitting way to end and I think yeah balance is a great answer that you know and you're right we can't control everything but the things you can control to work towards balance is, is really important. Catherine I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you this morning um, where can people if they want to get in touch want to chat or want to want to talk to you about anything in the future where's, where's the best place for them to go um thank you first i've really enjoyed it too um I, I feel like i've lived up to my um self-given reputation of being an oversharer who likes to have I, a I, good talk so i think Stephen Bartlett's you. missed out if i'm honest <laughs> we'll tell him we'll make sure we share this I with will, him, send it to him. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn first and foremost i am on twitter and instagram but i'm most frequently oversharing on LinkedIn and on <laughs> Catherine Warrelow. Okay. Um, thank you so much. I really, thank really appreciate you. it. I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity too and, and taking hold of the opportunity. And yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. That was 10Q interview with Catherine Warrelow. If you made it to the end, thank you very much. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed having the conversation myself and making it. I'm sure you did. It was it was excellent. She was an excellent guest, wasn't she? Feel free to share this um, and any thoughts you have on social media at 10 Interview everywhere you'll look. That's all for now. Make sure you subscribed. Honestly, I would really, really appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, just go hit follow, hit subscribe, whatever it is. And the next 10Q Interview podcast episode will be live and with you very, very soon. Thanks. Bye.